Hi, guys. Welcome to my show, My Steps to Sobriety, with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is a fantastic day. Well, like all of them that I nowadays have, but this one is even more fantastic because I'm on the wrong side of 50. My size is uh, king size, uh, generous, I would dis display it uh, and describe it. Um, and today I've got someone who might have been in a rather similar place, but refused to believe that this is the end of the whole story. So I'm more than interested to listen to Mike Warren tonight, who is uh, beaming over from Australia, a disciplined, passionate reformer, uh, and he hates dead bots. And since I'm actually the classic example here, I'm far more interested than I like to uh, admit to it, what we can talk about tonight. So welcome to you, Mike. I'm so pleased that you're on my show. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to sharing the dead bod secrets with you. <laughs> now, <laughs> there was a time when you and I looked stunning when we were younger. I had, initially I had a chubby childhood then I ended up on the receiving end of gang violence. And I said, fuck it, uh, from now on, I will train. And then thereafter came a time when my body was in peak fighting condition. It was fantastic times. I could run 10Ks and then I stopped because I got bored essentially on, on running. So that kind of stuff. Um, I had a good time. And then life came along. And with that, alcohol came along. Women came along in all the good ways and, and the even better ways when you then marry. But then the job comes along and then children come along. Before long, it has been years since you saw a gym from the inside. Before long, you have been lost in the waves of work and the roles that overwhelm you. Was your childhood, without the gang violence and without the chubby one, how, how was that you with you? Were you a very fit young man or how did you end up? How, mm. how did you start up, shall I say? Well, interestingly, I, I started from school into the fitness industry. So my first... 15 years of my working life after I sort of turned 18 was in the health club industry. So I was a, a professional fitness trainer. I was a, a, a gym owner. I had six health clubs. So I was a business person. So I was, I was very much involved in the industry. And then I sort of moved away from that and forgot all my learnings. But it's, it's exciting now to go back and be able to use all that from my childhood in helping the guys who uh, are trying to ditch their dad bod. <laughs> what threw you off your proven path? I mean, your, your <laughs> brain, your, your top there knew exactly what to do. My top, I'm Absolutely. a doctor for crying out loud. I can tell you exactly mm. what you should do. Now, mm. hmm, between what should be done, between talking the talk and walking the walk, there's a little bit of a difference. What threw you off? 
I, I think what threw me off is probably very, very similar to a lot of the guys tuning in. Life just got in the way. So I was in the fitness industry and then I moved out of the fitness industry into a career that wasn't involved in fitness. I ran a, a consultancy company and I was based out of Singapore. We had an office in the UK, office in Australia, so lots of travel, very career focused the opportunity to eat lots of yummy food at restaurants, the opportunity to drink, the opportunity to socialise, the opportunity to put my career and my job before myself and my family and my kids. And that's not a bad thing. That's just what a lot of guys do. We prioritise that. And we put our hand up and say that we're doing it for our family and for our kids. And we justify that the long hours, the travel, the business is for the betterment of our life with our family and kids. But in reality, it's very easy to get caught up in the trappings of that life and just not prioritize your own wellness. And I was a classic example and that led me down a pretty dark and dangerous path. And then I, I made, I made a, a discovery one day. I made a realization. I drew a line in the sand and said, enough's enough. Let's, uh, let's turn this thing around. How long were you in the business world there? So I still am. So I've always, always been an entrepreneur, always owned my own businesses, still own businesses. So I've always been in business. The, the business that probably was my undoing was probably around about six or seven years, which was a, a global consultancy that led me down the path of the travel, the drinking, the food, the decadent lifestyle, the my shit doesn't stink, I'm amazing, I'm successful, go me. Uh, that, that type of I'm invincible type <laughs> path was, uh, was where I lived for a while there. <laughs> and the alcohol would would reinforce that hey you are you know you're in a fine restaurant there you have your chateau de la mm, and yeah oh that's nice mm, let me swirl a little bit around and then after the fifth glass i just bring me another bottle come on yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right I, i can remember that well <laughs> yes absolutely. So i wasn't i was uh I guess I started off living the high life, but then it very much became the the only the fuel that I had each day was alcohol. So that was you know that was my it wasn't a, I would still call myself and still refer to that time as I was a high performing alcoholic. I performed at my peak levels for a, probably a three year period, and for the majority of that period, I was if I was to blow into a breathalyzer, I would blow numbers most of the time, twenty four seven. So I was. I was performing at a high level, but I was also drinking at a high level, always been a high performer. And that's exactly, you have described many men out there in that age group mm. because you don't get to the levels of success that many of us are enjoying by mm. just sitting on your ass. So you're working long hours. There is stress, there is distress, and there are emotions that are not being met. There are frustrations that you can't do much about, or you forget what to do about them and rather go for the easy fix or yeah. the food, the, the comfort food. Yes. So, I mean, these things are there. So now I'm, I very much realize where you have been and many of us as men out there will do the same. Mm. So what the Can hell? I guess my... My, my original sort of interpretation of a, before I called myself an alcoholic and before I identified with myself being an alcoholic, my image and understanding of an alcoholic was someone who needed 
alcohol to remove themselves from a current mindset, be it depression, be it anxiety, or used alcohol as a crutch. I never would say that I used alcohol as a crutch. It just was my my habit, my go-to habit. I didn't I didn't get sad and depressed and hit the source. I didn't get upset and angry and drink. I just drank as a part of my daily routine. I, I would start my day every day with a frozen vodka which I'd put in the freezer the night before. <laughs> so it was absolutely chilled. It was always Grey Goose because the good stuff. And I would wake up in the morning and the first thing I did was have a shot of frozen Grey Goose. And that was just my day. And that was seven days a week. And then it just became a, a day of drinking. It was just a, just what am I going to drink today? Am I in the office? Am I out? Being self-employed and having the flexibility to make my own hours, I could craft my own day around making sure I had places to stop and have a few drinks. (laughs) I wasn't driving. I wasn't doing anything unsafe. I was just drinking my way through the day. So it it wasn't wasn't a crutch. It was just par and parcel of, you know, breathing, sleeping, living, eating, drinking was Mm. par and parcel of my day. What did it give you? What what Um, was the feeling when you had that vodka in the morning? Mm. The the feeling, yeah, I would justify that it was the it was the heart starter. It was the yeah almost pure alcohol to cleanse the system. Right. It would certainly it would certainly clear away any cobwebs from the night before, and there was always <laughs> going to be cobwebs. It would certainly um, yeah burn everything on your palate, so you could start drinking beer and doing the you know, having getting to the first drink of the day, and that was yeah that was the next thing. So you'd, you'd have a vodka, and then obviously I would wash it down with a beer, and then yeah sort of go on from there. So it just it was a habit to give you it wasn't for confidence it wasn't for anything other else it was just it was a habitual way to start the day and begin the process and there is a certain glorification of alcohol um mm. we are both in the same in the same age group thereabouts um so yes. certainly your peers and when i say peers you're role models in the film industry, the, the heroes that we that we watch, they were hot drinking guys in the 80s and the mm. 90s. And it was cool to wake up with a stubble. Uh, I ran around forever with a stubble, three-day stubble. That was my thing. Mm. Um, the kind of sort of the rough pirate kind of look. And the alcohol went perfectly with that, wasn't it? So mm. I can see where you came from. And uh, in actual fact, uh, yeah, I've been there, done that, vomited on the T-shirt. I did. Um, Okay. So that is actually quite a track record. To do that for a few years is is forming, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> it was and being a being an Aussie and being you know, when you're from Australia it is drinking is one of our national sports we're very very good at it we pride ourselves on it it's socially acceptable to um to drink a lot and amongst the the male community uh, not so much now but it certainly has been very very uh acceptable to go beer for beer, back to back, not, you know, not worry about getting drunk. It's one of those things that the guys in Australia do. So it was, you weren't sort of socially ostracized for having a lot to drink. I had a a very good reputation for being a bloody good drinker. 
and my mates used to, you know, used to we used to sort of comment if I could only drink as much as you, you know, because I I could drink from dawn till dusk and I could drink right through, and uh, you know never never miss a beat. I didn't pass out, I didn't vomit, I didn't do those things. I just drank and I was very very good at it, but it was culturally acceptable and it wasn't a problem in the community or the world I was in. <laughs> Well, how was that? Okay, going going a little bit back to the fitness industry. Was mm. there at the time, was there actually drinking in the fitness industry? Yeah, there was, but it was probably more binge drinking. So we would uh, we would be fitness gurus during the week and we'd do our you know, programs and we'd look mm. beautiful. And then on the weekends, we'd go out and go stupid and you know, mm. write ourselves off and go dancing because we were younger and be silly. Sure. But we didn't drink. We didn't have that consistent drinking so the, the the difference was for that three-year period I used to um, I used to literally go to bed at night and breathalyze myself and I would chastise myself if in the morning I'd got down to zero so my goal was to go to bed blow numbers which you'd always do because I had because we we're in the, the business we we're in we had breathalyzers because we had to go onto sites um, uh, high risk safety sites so we'd have to make sure that before we went on the site we were at zero level so we're doing any site work, we'd have to breathalyze prior to going onto the site as part of our contracts to go onto the site. So we always had breathalyzers around and I'd breathalyze myself at night and I might blow, you know, 0.08 or 0.05 or 0.2 or whatever it might be. Then in the morning, I'd breathalyze again and I would, I, would, I would slap myself if I'd gone down to zero. That would mean that I obviously wasn't keeping up my game. So I had to, to top it up again. You know, looking back, stupid stuff, silly stuff. But at the time, it seemed quite reasonable because there was a risk of sobering up. So you got you got you got to do the scientific thing and keep that alcohol level up. Look, it, it is it sounds bizarre, but I remember in the eighties mm. when uh, I was yeah late eighties I was uh, studying medicine in Heidelberg, and I had an interest in forensic medicine. So I ended up going to uh, some educational evening on a Friday. It was Friday? No, I think Tuesday actually. In the middle of the week, educational evening in forensic medicine. I walked into this room and there were tables and for each table there were four four seats and three bottles of wine there for each table and in the corner was a big unit and it was a breathalyzer I didn't know it until later in the in the evening and everyone basically there was a guy giving a talk which was quite good actually I enjoyed that and everyone was getting hammered and then towards the end of the evening, everyone got up, walked to the corner, blew in there, damn, taxi. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was normal. It was absolutely mm. normal in that time. Mm. So, yes. and, and in certain, and, and it is even nowadays in the fitness industry, there are some groups of people that are incredibly fit yet are drinking like fishes. I, I wrote about mm. that in, 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 uh, in a in chapter in, in My Steps to Sobriety, the book that I've just published. And in there, uh, there is this, this kind of group of, of very fit people who go all out for fitness and a training. And then they say, wow, that was a really hard training. I've deserved that drink. And then they go, mm. wow. So that's quite intriguing. That is something that clearly has come more recently onto the scene 
But there's another movement equally that is more, far more pronounced now, and that is the mummies at home, the wine mummies at lunchtime, yes. who might even have a nice, you know, get together before the kids there, a few drinks, and then they pick up the kids, and then later hit the gym and try to to work off their calories that they have just mm. wolfed down there. So there's some very interesting movements going on in the current society as we speak in different countries around the world. So alcohol insidious ass and the alcohol industry and the marketing of alcohol is specifically targeting these groups. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm. So hell. So, but I'm intrigued. As I said, as I said earlier, you had a track record. Once you are in that track, it takes something to kick you out of the track. So typically, it does. It was, yeah. <laughs> so, it so still the beans. Hence, hence the, uh, the discipline piece, I guess. I, uh, for, to be successful in business and to be successful in, uh, in your career, it does take a fair bit of discipline. I've always prided myself on discipline. And at, at some stage I was in Singapore and my business partner and I, who she's a, also quite a, uh, quite a great drinker. She was my drinking buddy for a, a long time there. We said, right, let us stop drinking for a week. Let's just do a one-week dry spell. And we did, and we uh, we mistakenly believed it wouldn't be earth-shattering or wouldn't change the world. We'd still feel the same. And we literally stopped one day. We said, right, no more drinking. That's it for seven days. So we stopped, went cold turkey for, for seven days and had some amazing benefits. We just felt incredible within days. Our bodies just responded, the sleep, the clarity, and at the end of the week, we, we had a meeting and we said, what are we going to do? Are we Are going to go back and have a few more drinks or are we just going to continue on? We said, no, let's give it a month. So we did a one-month alcohol-free. Again, we had a meeting and we just said, that's it, enough is enough. Clearly, the blur that we thought was reality, the, you know, the, the greyness which we thought was just our normal life had been completely clouded by alcohol. And we could actually see clearly, hear clearly, speak clearly to each other. And, you know, we, we'd had a very, a very uh, a significant awakening from, uh, from not drinking for that four or five weeks and drew a line in the sand and said, right, that's it. And uh, said, you know, let's get in shape. So lose the weight, you know, clean up the diet, stop the drinking, organize the sleep. And hence the next two years was literally a journey of turn the life around completely, get back to the person and the, uh, in the physical and mental shape I wanted to be in, stop the drinking and just reform the body. So that was the, that was the switch in the process. And then that's led on now to helping others do the same thing. Wow. 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 Although I do admit that from an, from an alcoholics perspective, your story is quite unique. Because the, there is a damn good reason that alcoholics drink, and we're using mm. it as a crutch. We're using it as a, as a, for many many reasons. Typically, to either numb emotions or somehow create emotions because we are so mm. empty. So it is that would be the norm for you to be able to say, okay, that's it. Uh, many of the people out there would give their left arm to be able to do that. So mm. I'm, I'm incredibly happy for you 
that you were able mm. to do that and had the mental acuity to actually realize what was going on. And in all fairness, it, there would have been, I mean, you, you were primed by 15 years in the fitness industry as a younger man. So this is not getting lost. That was just buried in there mm. by this new lifestyle. And you were the lucky guy who were able to fall back onto the deepest, deepest, deeply ingrained emotions that you had associated with your training and with the, mm. the life then. And I guess that's probably the reason why for a, for a long time, up until probably 12 months ago, I would not have identified myself as an alcoholic uh, because at the time I did not believe I was an alcoholic. My image of an alcoholic was someone who was alcohol dependent. Uh -huh. And I had never at any stage felt I depended on alcohol. When I ran the numbers on what I drank, we would drink five to six bottles of vodka a week between the two of us and six to seven cartons of beer a week between the two of us. And that's my business partner and I. And that's just in the office. And then you'd go out to restaurants and have more. So a, a huge amount of alcohol consumed from seven o'clock in the morning through to one or two o'clock in the morning consistently and breathalyzed regularly to keep the numbers up. So if you're looking at purely from a technical aspect, was I an alcoholic? Absolutely. Not a, not a shadow of a doubt. But never at any time during that three or four years or two or three years did I think I was dependent. This was a by choice. I'm having a beer because I love beer. I love vodka. So I'll have beer and vodka and beer and vodka and I'll just keep doing that all day. Then I'll lay down and get up and do it again. So Different, yeah. Different when when we spoke about coming onto the podcast, I was, yeah. yeah, I am definitely. I know I was an alcoholic, but I don't feel that sense of uh, kinship with what I would say is alcoholics who had a dependency and had difficulty yeah. giving up because I just literally made a decision: yeah. no more alcohol, and that's it. But then, what changed twelve months ago? When you said up until 12 months ago, you would have not identified yourself as an alcoholic. Yeah. What happened then? I guess, I guess what happened 12 months ago was I, 12 months ago, so going back after I made the decision to get myself in shape, it took me a couple of years to lose 20 kilos, sort out my diet, sort out my sleep, sort out my mindset. I gave myself a good two years to do that, which is what I did. And so got myself in shape and... I was in, was in and still am in amazing shape for a 55-year-old guy, great physical shape and, you know, physically fit. And all my mates were saying, Mike, you're in amazing shape, you're doing great things. But because I'm a selfish prick and I've always been a selfish prick, I do things for myself. I get myself in shape. I'm self-motivated. I didn't think about helping my mates. I just got myself in shape because that was my goal. I wanted to get in shape. So I was solely focused on looking after Mike, getting Mike in shape so he can be a better dad, better better husband, you know, better in that space. But I didn't think about helping my mates because that wasn't on my agenda. About a year ago, some of my mates said, can you help me? And it was at that stage I thought, well, you know what? I can help you. I've got, I've got obviously the, the training, the fitness training. I've reformed myself. I understand. It was only then when I started to create what's my story to start Ditch the Dad Bod to start the process of helping others. And I reflected back on my story was I was an alcoholic and I was fat 
and I was lazy and I was eating shit food and I thought I was amazing and I was traveling around the world and I made a decision to move forward and change my life. But I had to identify, I had to say to myself, you were an alcoholic, whether you did, whether you thought about it at the time, you were absolutely an alcoholic. So be loud, be proud, say it out loud because people will identify with that particular place you're in and you're going to help guys who are in that space who go, I'm an alcoholic too. I can get out of it because that buffet there could do it. Absolutely true. Couldn't believe more. Mm. Um, let's just get our definitions right. When you said, mm. uh, I'm fat, does that mean you had 12% body fat or was it 13% body fat? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, I was, I was obviously fit when I was in the fitness industry, but I did put on 20 kilos. So now, <laughs> now I'm about 85, 88 kilos, 78 kilos-ish, but I was... Yes creeping close to 100 kilos i was fat i had a couple of spare chins uh, a bunch of a bunch of rolls on the belly so compared to my ideal weight about yeah. 20 kilos about 40 pounds heavier but for some guys they'd look at me and go you're not fat but i was i was 20 or 30 percent fatter than mm. my ideal weight so each each guy listening will relate to what they what their ideal body size is add 20 or 30 percent you feel like shit because your clothes don't fit, you're lethargic, you're tired, you ache, you hurt, you don't feel good about your body. True, 100%. Cool, 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 cool. So, how did you turn around? You said it took you two years. Well, I would postulate, come on, as a personal trainer, would you give your mates mm. two years to get their shit sorted? Yeah. Like, should we, yeah, not really, not really. I, it took me two years probably to come to the point where I knew how to do it. I put it into, I could articulate and coach people through the three steps to get in shape. It took me probably six to 12 months, probably 12 months to be in the shape I was in. I was experimenting with different diets, different ways of eating. I was experimenting with different exercise types. I was playing with sleep and mindset. So I was doing a bunch of things purely to get myself in shape, to optimize my own physical performance, but also to figure out if I was going to help guys or if I was going to you know, move forward and do it for others what did I need to know? And I had to go back to my fitness training, back to my personal training days to, to put it into a, not a program. We don't have a program as such, but we have certainly three key elements that we focus on when guys join us and come into ditch the dad pod, which is the group that I now run. They come into that group and we focus on those three key areas. And we know historically guys over 40 with a dad bod focusing on those three key areas getting their mindset sorted will get in the best shape of their life and maintain it forever. That sounds for many people out there, a story too good to be true, but, <laughs> but, but if you look at what people have achieved in their life, they will have gone through hell and back for their career. They will have done tremendous things for their family in order to bring money in. We all are heroes in our own little way. Mm. What most of us heroes forget is that you don't just look after others or after your career. We forget to look after ourselves. And I'm the biggest, the biggest culprit there. And that is, I guess, where your paradigm shift comes in because you are no longer accepting the excuses of, yeah, it has been a really busy day you're actually saying, no, actually, 
you need to do something. But don't just do something. Here is a structured plan that worked for me and worked for the other guys in this group. And by the way, let's be accountable. Do I get your yeah. program right? Is that about it? You, you do. So, I mean, essentially what we now have is we have, have a, a free Facebook group called nice. Ditch the Dad Bot that is specifically targeting guys. We say over 40, but it just seems to be guys over 40 start to recognize they've got a dad bot and start to start to jump into the group or be aware. It's um, a huge variety of guys from across the globe. And essentially, they're there for one simple purpose. They want to ditch the dad bod, live a long, healthy, happy life with their family and kids, and they want to make sure they stay in shape. Now, having said that, each of the guys that come in, come in, comes into the group has their own story, has their own history, has their own demons, have their own, their own baggage, and we, we accept and acknowledge, but we don't play to that. We accept the fact that if you're here, you're looking to get your body in shape and get your mind in shape. So the guys who come into the group, we welcome everyone. And then we support, we guide, we coach, we provide information. And we firmly believe that guys operate differently when it comes to motivation. So we understand that from a guy's perspective, we may not get in a group and be a, be a chatter and you know post all the time and comment all the time. A lot of guys just sit there and watch for the first few weeks and they sit back, but they're absorbing it. A lot of guys like to read the information and absorb it, but they don't necessarily jump into the challenges or be overt. But we know there's a bunch of guys in there who are following the program quietly, getting results and getting motivated by the group. So if we look at the elements of the group, which is probably the easiest way, we firstly focus, well, one of the first pillars is, is food. So we have a, uh, a passion for getting the right diet, the right way of eating for the guys who are in the group. Now, I'm a diehard carnivore keto fan. I love the keto carnivore way of eating. But for a lot of guys, that's not their thing. For some guys, it's like that doesn't doesn't appeal to me. I just want to eat for my body, but I don't want to have a restrictive way. So guys will come in, they'll just clean up their eating. They might ditch the shit sugars, ditch the shit fats, and just tidy it up, and we can support them and guide them in what is the best way of eating for their body. Now, the best way for my body may not be the same as your body. So each, one, each person has their own way of eating that works. So one of the big pillars we focus on is food. The second big pillar, which is for guys over 40, which is critical, is movement. So that's the that's the, the wanky word for exercise. Mm. So the reason we don't call it exercise is most guys over 40, when you use the term exercise, they think of running, cycling, swimming, sport. And so we, we need to re-educate that movement could be yoga, stretching, breathing, mobility, flexibility, agility. It could be something different. The bodies we now have when you're 40 plus – don't necessarily enjoy the running, the jumping, the impact, the high intensity. Mm. And each of our bodies responds differently to a different type of exercise. So it's finding the right exercise movement that suits your body and gives you the results you want. So we look at food, we look at movement, and the last pillar is we look at sleep. Mm. And what we now know, and probably in the last 10 years, the research, as you'd be aware, into the benefits of sleep is just overwhelming evidence to show that sleep plays a critical role in almost every one of our bodily functions right through from, you know, from your weight loss, your mindset, your recovery, your energy, mm -hmm. and we haven't focused on it. 
We just haven't given it the love that it needs. Most guys think they can lay down, be horizontal for seven hours, and we're done dusted. So there's a big focus on getting the right right amount of sleep and the right quality sleep. And if we get the food, the movement, the sleep all lined up, and then we put some mindset in there to keep the motivation going, those elements working together have given us some great results. We've got guys in there who are just feeling awesome, losing weight, motivated, excited, sharing, motivating other people as well. So it's a winner. Brilliant. Brilliant. And it's exactly right. It's it's back to basics. It's getting the basics right. And it's such an important bit. The sleep, I could not I could not uh, speak stronger about that because I'm I'm a guy who loves to burn the candle on both ends and on a few places in the middle. Uh, because that's that's just how I go. Driven, passionate, uh, always there, bam, 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 bam. I love that. That is me in a nutshell. I, however, for the better part of my life, have completely neglected my sleep and I paid a price for it. And the problem, of course, is you've got depression, which hammers your sleep. You're drinking, forget sleep, okay? All these kind of things. So it's, it's a multifactorial kind of thing. And when you think about it, sleep is not very sexy, is it? So you want to be out there. You want to be the man. Mm. And you don't want to go to bed at nine. Come on, you're boring. What's that? Mm. Now, bullshit. Um, and, that, sorry. and historically, Stefan, you're right. It's the, it's the Margaret Thatcher way of you should be able to survive on three or four hours sleep a night. There was, there certainly has been a, a feeling mm. that if you're a high performer, if you're a leader, mm. you survive on two or three hours sleep a night. And now we now know that seven or eight hours sleep a night is how the high performing leaders actually survive. But mm. we've all grown up in the, in the era of less is better when it comes to sleep, mm. get through fly by the seat of your pants. And so to unwire that from the brain, to rewire into sleep is important is a, is a really important step. Indeed. Rod. Indeed. Rod. Wow. I mean, I, I, you make a lot of sense to me and you might also sound a bit scary to all the guys out there who are who are sort of thinking, oh my God. Um, I think most of us uh, beyond the age of 40 know deep inside that we have changed. And mm. all of us are coming sort of close to the point outside of your comfort zone where you actually sort of come to the point and say, oh, I really need to do something. Oh, maybe yeah. not. Oh, maybe. Yes, yes, yes. So I am, I am, I have been repeatedly there on these points and made starts, but then ended up stopping for one reason or mm. the other. I think what is special about you and your your dead bot movement, shall I say, is actually the support that your guys give each other. And there is so much to be said about that, isn't it? And I think that's that's probably one of the, the keys. We uh, I firmly believe that as a a dad, the dad bod sort of uh, trigger is either proactive or reactive. The reactive is we have a health intervention, so we're in our forties and fifties ticking along, doing our career, living our life, all of a sudden we have a health intervention and our body gives up or something happens or our relationship mm. breaks down yeah. and we have an intervention that says you've got to get yourself in shape and we put our hand up and say, I need help. 
or if we're clever, before that happens, we're proactive and we say, I'm starting to slip. I'm putting myself second and third. I'm not prioritizing my wellness. I want to be a better partner, a better dad, a better business person, a better career person. I want to proactively get myself in shape and then I can do something for myself. So if we're really good, we get into a group or we get that motivation before we're needing to or before our doctor says, you're stuffed, go and get yourself sorted out. But the motivation side is critical. What I know from training hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guys over my career as in, in the fitness industry is that guys do need that regular motivation. We don't say it out loud. We don't say to our mates, mm. I need you to motivate me because we're strong and we're tough and we're stoic and resilient. But deep down, we love it when we can jump onto a Facebook group or we can jump in, jump in somewhere and on a daily basis there's a bunch of other guys going through the same journey. Now, whether we interact or whether we just look at a mate who's doing the same thing and get a bit of bit of motivation from that, it's a place and a space the guys can go to for a little bit of motivation, a little bit of support, a little bit of guidance. Then they go off to the gym or they go off and walk and cycle and swim and they go off and do their thing, but they all come back on a regular basis and get that top up of motivation and that's why it works. So true. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, those of you guys who are listening here or watching this out on YouTube, uh, you are here because probably the, the sobriety or, or trying to get rid of the alcohol was a motivating factor for you to, to, to look at that. Well, if you look at your, your recovery, well, the recovery is exactly that small little steps every single day and every single day you're working on your recovery because if you don't work on your recovery you work on your relapse it's as simple as that for alcoholics yeah. so therefore would it be so strange to consider your physical exercise in exactly the same way your your new the new you the dead bot minus the, well, it still has the bot and it's still the dad, but the, the, the slimmer dad bot, I guess. <laughs> However you want to call the new version of you, you know, it needs the same thing. It needs the motivation. It needs the, the ongoing support. And that's so beautiful that you actually, that you actually offer that. That is a, a fantastic thing. So if, and if again, people, without, sorry. sorry, without, without labeling it somewhere for, alcoholics or people who are considering giving up the booze or going through that that transition without labeling as that it is the perfect place for someone who's struggling to take their mind off drinking mm. to come and be part of a community where mm. our mind we don't talk about drinking we're not focused on drinking we're talking about food movement sleep and if you get those three right you probably don't have time to drink as well so exactly. it just takes you, gives you a, another focus point without saying you're an alcoholic and so we need to help you. It's let's focus on this because if we focus on this and get this right, this bit over here won't be as interesting anymore. You said it. You nailed it, man. Mm. Mike, Thanks, buddy. You absolutely know it is. That is exactly what what is the key to living a beautiful life. And that's the key to sobriety. It's not to stop drinking. That, mm. nah. Yeah, you can try that, but for most of us, it will not work um, because you haven't dealt with the underlying problems. You also have not changed your behavior in such a way that you suddenly think, wow, I've sweated 90 minutes and it was actually good fun. And I did it in mm. such a way that was satisfying for me. 
whatever that turns out to be. And you think, wow, did I do that? Or that you actually buy yourself some trousers and think, shit, I need two sizes less. Wow, I didn't even see that, that it happens. And there is this, this little bit of puffing up and a kind of, wow, I did that. Hey, guys, this is a new life. This is, this is waiting for us out there. Mm, this is, absolutely. I, I actually am excited about that. Uh, you know, fairness, <laughs> Mike. I think that, that was meant to be that I interview you today. It was meant to be. <laughs> so, I expect to see. Speed. I'm approving your entry into the group a bit later on this afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Expect to see you're in there. I want to be in. I want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, my fingers are already typing. <laughs> uh, tell me, where do I need to go? Where, if people are interested in joining your movement and getting of the dead pod, uh, tell me where do they go? So it's a, it's a free Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook, it's really simple. You just simply search in groups for ditch the dad bod, ditch the dad bod. You pop that into any search function on Facebook and, and find the group. You uh, answer a couple of questions you're in, and uh, as soon as you're in there, you'll see exactly what we've been talking about. You can sit back and just cross your arms and watch for a couple of weeks, so there's no need to do anything. There's no fancy intros required. You can just sit and observe, and then when you're ready, when you're comfortable, we can certainly provide the support and the guidance and get you get you started, but it's a very easy process. <laughs> I will have to test that out, of course. Uh, and of course. Uh, and as as a good as a good uh, host, I need to just not take you by your word, actually. So yes, it may very well be that you guys see me on that Facebook group from now and then. Uh, appearing as well in the future so uh, <laughs> hey <laughs> it is what it is it is, I'm, it is. like you I'm, I'm turning nearly 55 uh, next month so here you go it is it's time to to focus on the last pillar of my development that I have neglected I got my mm. shit together when it comes to the alcohol I got my shit together with relationship with creativity, spirituality, all the things that I that were maybe not so great in my life, I've I've ticked them off. But the one thing is still my body, and it's still my the the there's still certain gremlins up there mm. and probably in there um, which drive me to the overeating to the comfort eating, to raiding the fridge at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, so I need and to it work. Is, yeah. Sorry. And it is sad that when we get to our 40s and 50s, often we've got our shit together financially, our families, and we've lined up all those ducks, and then we could potentially spend the next 20, 30 years enjoying the fruits of our labor. Or if we haven't looked after our body, we spend the next 20 years with all the ability to have a great life, but physically we can't do it. So this is the time of our life when we can afford to travel, we can afford to enjoy our life. It's making sure you've got the right mind and the body to, to carry you through that really exciting part of your life. So true, so true. Mike, thank you so much for the pep talk. I mean, it shows. <laughs> I mean, I hear your passion, your discipline that's just drooling through these words. Christ, <laughs> how can you get not excited about going onto this journey? This is virtually impossible. <laughs> You're a dangerous man. I give you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that is cool. Mike, thank you so much for coming onto my show today. I'm, I'm, 
dead excited because for me, I will follow you and, and I will see what you're up to, what your group is up to. And you guys out there, you know, if I can do it, what about you guys? Hey, just, Absolutely. you know, give it a shot. I mean, what, what have you got to lose? Well, we're not going anywhere, Stefan. The group's there. It's free. There's no products. There's no programs. It's just come into the group and try it. Yeah. If any of the guys out there listening are on the fence, it hurts. No, it doesn't cost anything just to jump in and try and have a look. If it's for you, you'll stay. If it's not, you'll go. But it's a it's a great stepping stone. So thank you so much for the opportunity to share, share Absolutely. the word and, and spread the passion. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for coming onto the show. And you guys out there, you look after yourselves. Make this world a little bit better every day, one day at a time, one decision at a time. It's your choice. It's your choice how to live. It's yesterday was yesterday. Today, live it for what it is, the beautiful second that you have right now. And tomorrow hasn't even started yet, so forget tomorrow. Just right now. Make the right choice right now for you. And live your life to the fullest. So look after yourself, guys. Speak to you soon. Bye.